episode 132 of the Parkrun Adventurers. So called because we do parkrun and we do it adventurously. My name is Mel Erbacher. My co-host name is Scotty Trickett. Scotty, welcome to episode 132. Thanks, Mel. Great to be here, as always. Are you having adventures? Uh, look, I'm having delayed onset adventures. <laughs> is that a condition? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But um, I think you're being more adventurous this week. You're adventuring to new park runs that I want to hear about. Or a park run. I only went to one. Yes. But sure, I can tell you all about that. I ventured back for the fourth, no, not the fourth time, the third time in September to New South Wales. How's that? I live in Queensland. Three quarters of my parkrun events were done in New South Wales last month. Crazy. That's a strong commitment to adventuring. It is, and a strong commitment to driving a lot. (laughs) Is this this to boost our listener audience from New South Wales? Because they're they're the black hole of the parkrun adventures. I don't don't think they are the black hole, Scotty. I'm pretty sure we've got a strong following in New South Wales now. They're just quiet, are they? Yeah, they're just not very interactive. Okay. So you were mobbed at Yamba? Oh, I wouldn't say mobbed. I had one of those late onset things that you had and I had a message after the event that somebody said, oh, I thought that might have been you, but I had to leave before you finished because you're slow. Um, Although they very kindly, they didn't say they had to leave because I was slow. They had to leave because I had to take their daughter to work elsewhere and obviously finished faster than I did. So I spoiled it for our listeners. You went to Yamba. <laughs> it's not spoiling. They, they were going to find it out eventually. Can I tell you my story of Yamba? Yes. The very first road trip that me and my beautiful wife took, we got on in the car, as you do on a road trip, you drive. So we drove up through the middle of Australia, got all the way up to where you are, the Sunshine Coast, mm. and then we made our way back down. And one of the towns we stopped in was Yamba, and we really liked it. Like, it was a really cool town. It is a cool little town. Um, We didn't actually stay in Yamba. We stayed in Tyndale, which is about 20 minutes outside of Yamba, on a a cane, a working cane farm that has got a little um, cane cutter's barracks, which has been recently renovated into um, Airbnb digs, which is a little bit different and cool. But we obviously ventured into Yamba for parkrun. So for for the simpletons amongst us, including myself, speaking on behalf of myself, so a working, does that mean you have to work to (laughs) get lodging there? No, no. It means that we got to stay on the farm, which is a working farm. Like it's an actual farm. It's not just a, oh, this used to be a farm. Yeah. Like they actually have cane fields and – Infrastructure and equipment to harvest said cane, etc., etc. Okay. okay, that makes sense because you know there's those places where you can go and you just do a few chores and they let you working holiday free. places. Yeah, yeah. no, nah, that's not my style. No, I didn't think so. That's why I asked. <laughs> so I'm glad we've cleared that up. So it was a night of luxury while you watched people around you work, and then you went to parkrun in the morning. Well, we didn't have to watch anyone work because it's cane; it just kind of grows. So I guess. You know, there are periods where they're particularly busy while they're sowing the cane and harvesting the cane. But apart from that, you know, they just got to wait. <laughs> you're so creating, it's a different... You're creating different. enemies with the uh, cane farmers, Mel, <laughs> I can guarantee you, because they just sit around and wait for it to grow. Is that <laughs> I'm what you're saying? No, I'm sure that's not 100% what they do. I'm sure they, they're, they're doing things with, you know... I don't know what they do. I'm not a cane farmer. I do live in a historic or I grew up for a large part of my childhood and teen years in a in a cane farming town and, you know, we used to get stopped with the cane trains running through and everything like that and the black rain in the summertime as the mill was um, milling the cane. But I don't think I'm making any enemies. I think you're making things up now. Anyway, carry on. Let's hear about parkrun. Enough about cane. We don't get a lot, a lot of cane fields down here in Melbourne, so so we've probably lost, lost some my interest already. Yeah, lost my interest. <laughs> so let's tell me about parkrun. That's what I'm. That's what I came here for. Well, parkrun was awesome. We went. Uh, we drove into Yamba. See, the good part about staying in Tyndale was um, just in case 
Yamba had to cancel at the last second. We could still travel a little bit further south to, and head to Grafton um, Parkrun if, if necessary. But fortunately, um, it was all go ahead. When we showed up, they did warn us in the pre-run brief that it may have to be cancelled while the event was in progress because there was a lightning storm, which when we started, you you could see it. And the lightning is, is fair, fair dangerous. But obviously it was far enough away that it wasn't posing any risk to anyone on the course. Uh, but they just had concerns that perhaps it might move in the direction, in which case they would have had to cancel. So I was thinking, oh, no, don't don't let me, like, do half this course and then find out I'm not allowed to finish it and I'll have to log it as a freedom run. Um, but that was not the case, fortunately. Um, very pretty course. Runs alongside the water. I, I have an affinity for the events where the courses run near water. It doesn't matter if it's a lake, uh, ocean, a dirty puddle. It just it just makes me feel at home. Um, and they, they had a circus tent on their course at the moment, which apparently, so we didn't actually run the normal course. We, we sort of ran parallel to it. Um, apparently, the, the circus folks showed up one week, a couple of weeks ago and just pitched their tent right in the middle of the course and they didn't realise until, you know, the day before parkrun day that, oh, there's a circus there and we can't run where we normally run. Um, fortunately, they had time to, to do an alternate course, uh, which is the one that we got to run. And it only got a little bit of a spittering of rain while we were going and... Um, yeah, it was it was threatening though. I was a bit concerned. And Scotty, I was sick as a dog. I struggled to get around that course. I, I was just a big congested snotty mess. Mm, um, I can hear it. I can still hear a little bit. Yeah, and but you'll ridiculous. hear a lot more in our interview later because peel back the curtain. We did that a couple of days ago. And um, yep. Did I sound even more congested the you other did. day? Yeah, oh. yeah. We can track your snottiness through the you podcast never said this anything. week. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. Yeah, but that was that was my Yamba trip. Um, very friendly volunteers, beautiful course, highly recommend it. Cute little town as well. So definitely uh, pop it on your list of adventures if you're headed through or around or anywhere near it. Yeah. Also, to. there's a great little town called Mc. Oh, no, I'm going to get this wrong. No, it's McLaren. No, it's not McLaren. Macaulay? No. Oh, no, it's terrible. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, give me two seconds with Google Maps. Were you looking at, Were you chasing your why? Was this one of the reasons for Yamba? Um, that was one of Adam's reasons Ooh, for Yamba. It was not any of my reasons. Yeah, Adam's chasing his alphabet. <laughs> um, You're still Googling? Yeah, I'm still Googling. McLean, McLean. Is that what I said? No, I said McLaren the first time. McLean, there's this cute little town called McLean, very close to Yamba as well. And it's like the Scottish town in Australia. They assisted town to uh, a town in the Isle of Skye, but super cute. I counted more than 100 of their electrical power poles. They have painted the bottom two metres in all the different tartans of all the different Scottish clans. It's amazing. <laughs> So pop into McLean, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, and just look for the electrical poles. How many it's poles are we talking about here? More than 100. Okay. I counted more than 100 before I lost count of different tartans with the names as well of the clan right at the top. Okay, well, that is impressive because when, you know, some of the towns in Australia are pretty small, they may only have two or three light poles, but over 100s, yep, I'll pay yeah. that. Well done, yeah. McLean, not McLaren. <laughs> McLean, it's McLean. Now, please do tell me about your adventures on the weekend, Scotty. Okay, so I went back to an event that has been around for almost five years, but I hadn't been back for about four of those years, three and a half or something. I visited Lilydale Lake, which is the wow. park run called Lilydale Lake in the suburb of Lilydale, and they've come up with the great idea to spell Lilydale two different ways. What do you mean they so, spell it two different ways? So the town of Lilydale, the suburb of Lilydale, is spelt L-I-L-Y, Dale. But Lilydale Lake, the lake right in the middle of town, or next to the town, is spelt L-I-L-L-Y, Dale. Makes no sense. So four L's instead of three. Why? That, yeah. No, three L's. Yeah, four L's. Instead, that's right, because there's an L in Dale. 
And there's also an L at the start of Lily. <laughs> okay. Yep. But that doesn't affect the park run at all. So it's a nice flat two-lapper uh, around this lake, this said Lilydale Lake with the two L's. So this was started by um, that bloke we've had on the podcast once before, Matt. Matt who? Yeah, yeah. so he started it. And um, I visited it in the early days and hadn't been back. But uh, I just I wanted an adventure. But all my nendies are quite a long way away. And I just thought, let's recreate an adventure by visiting a park run that will feel like new because I haven't been there for so long. And, it and kind how of was did. it? Was it yeah. very different? It was different. They started differently. The briefing was in a different spot. There are a lot more people there this time. Um, and the, the lake itself, it seemed prettier than I imagined. Like I was running around because I did two laps running and then I walked a lap with the girls. And we're all commenting that it's a really pretty part of um, Milburn. And we'd never given it that much credit in the past. Well, there you go. I think Parkrun. I think Parkrun. Park yeah, I think Parkrun has contributed to it getting prettier. It's increased the aesthetics. Mm, I think so. And it was a footy theme, so that was the other condition that we had to go to a Parkrun that was having a footy theme. Now I know that is of no interest to you, as you've made well aware in the past, but it was pretty important down Why here. Why were they in having Melbourne. a footy theme? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I got to wear my Essendon footy jumper. I was let down. I thought I was going there with my ambassador because I have an ambassador because I'm an event director of juniors. So my ambassador was going. Her partner is an Essendon fan, so I thought I had some solidarity there. Mm. But he pulled out. <sighs> let me down. And then let me down twice by not showing up to juniors on Sunday. Something about man flu. It is going around. Oh, is it? Well, that's where I got it from. Boss had it men. last week and we only had one phone meeting and I managed to catch <laughs> it, so it must be pretty potent. I haven't caught it yet. But there you go. Awesome. Nice to revisit old ones you haven't been to for a while. It's Melbourne Marathon time. People are getting ready to run it in a couple of days' time. And we've got on the podcast this week a man, one of only six, who have run every single Melbourne Marathon, amongst many other running achievements. Welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers, Digger Hargraves. Hi, hi all, and thank you for having me on. Now, Digger, we're going to go to the Melbourne Marathon first, simply because it's in a lot of people's minds at the moment. They're getting ready for it. And you've run every single damn one. Um, that's an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, when we started back in 1978, that thought never crossed our minds. And like back in 1978, it was a $2 entry and there was just under 2,000 started. And so here we are 41 years later and we're down to six. Can we go back to 1978? How, what was it actually like, the very first one? Because you've shared a couple of tidbits with us, but... What was it like uh, to, to run in the very first one? What, what did you have to do? One is I um, – the strange thing is I was working at Monash University and one of the PhD students came in and gave me an entry form five weeks before race time and said, hey, Melbourne's having a marathon um, like the big overseas ones. Let's go and do it. Well, at that stage we were probably running – three times a week, four or five K at lunchtime. So we did a five-week plan that somehow got us to the start line. But the atmosphere was unbelievable. The start was at Frankston and they hired three trains to get us from Flinders Street down to the start. And like the camaraderie on the train and the atmosphere was unbelievable. Then you look at, I've got the old videos or clips of the old videos and you look at them, things like risk assessment, traffic control, that was something totally unheard of. And the drink stations were every 5K and they had water. That was a breakthrough. Um, prior to 1978, any marathon in Australia was very small, maybe 20 or 30 people and drink stations were unheard of. So we've moved on a little bit. 
I'm I'm fascinated for, for starters that it costs two dollars to enter, but also we're just on the tail end of something we call Streaky September Digger, and that was where we challenged everybody to run every day or walk minimum two kilometers. You've done forty-one, or this is the forty-first year marathons consecutively. How much pressure have you felt? with that being a bit of a streak, you know, after you'd done the first several, at what point did you sort of think, oh, I've done it every year, I can't stop now? Uh, this year is the test because a lot of people listening and who don't know me, this time last year I was lining up to be a 4.30 pacer at the Melbourne Marathon. I've paced marathons everywhere. So Doing 40 last year, just turning up for me, I've done over 150 marathons and doing a marathon was just like going to work. It was just something I did. However, I got very sick this year to the point where I may not have survived June unless it was for the intervention of a brilliant doctor that's helped me. Um, So from over 12 months, I've gone from just, yeah, it'll be easy, we'll do the 41st. Melbourne Marathon to back in June, I was incapable of walking 10 metres unassisted. So in two Sundays' time, we are going to – so is there pressure on me to do it? I don't feel the pressure, but I'll be on the start line and we think we've got it under control. But um, just the normal runners, whether they're running 10, 5, 10K or whatever – they're at, they're at their limits in the back half of the race. I cannot go anywhere near any limits, and we really don't know what's going to happen. Um, I went to Sydney three weeks ago for the half, and we survived the half in one piece, and we could have gone further. But that was totally unknown territory, and not totally unknown medical territory for us. So, but do we feel pressure? And like, do the other five of us feel like pushing someone under a tram in Melbourne? So then there's so then there's five and then there's no. Um, <laughs> well, I was never going to go there, but <laughs> no, no. Pe- people talk people talk to us about that, but when you get the six of us together, what you get is genuine friendship and genuine concern. And the concern this year is, was um, literally, I only started running five k's four or five weeks ago was whether I would get to the start line and the finish line. Whereas for the last four years, when we were seven, we had um, Manny, and and Manny um, had cancer, and he he did the last three Melbourne marathons that he finished. As far as I know, from marathon to marathon, he never pulled the running shoes on. He was too sick. But last year, we only got 5K, and unfortunately, in January this year, the cancer finally got him, so we've lost Manny. But even when we lost Manny, the thought that I'd be the next one at risk medically, because like 40 years of running marathons, we're all getting old. I'm 65, and I think there's one of the guys younger than me, um, and four of the others are into their 80s. Uh, and not, sorry, not their 80s, their 70s. And I was talking to one of them during the week, and he said, you're probably going to, even under-trained and sick, I'm probably going to beat them. <laughs> but anyway, we'll see how that goes. But no, we don't actually think of pushing each other under trams. Well, under trained is better than under trams. No, Definitely. no, we're not going anywhere there. But, but <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine forty years, you know, it's it's like family now. That that's that's longer than a lot of people have, you know, their family relationships and those bonds that get built. So. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's what marathon runners are like. If if you are in a training group. You spend more quality time with your running partners than you do with your marital partners. <laughs> We're out on the road together for hours and and talking, and then if we and we'll probably talk about comrades later. It gets worse for a comrades runner because they train longer. So we so we have genuine like my running. I have a running family, but I'm different than most. I have a running family basically on every inhabited continent in the world, which we may talk about a bit later if we've got time. Digger, I'm fascinated with the early days and the very first event because it was 40 years ago, so you would have been in your early 20s. Was it true that the cutoff was three hours? No, no. Prior to that, the cutoff was three hours. 
any, I have been a run. I'm an old Bendigo boy, Bendigo YMC Harriers boy, and um, the we I used as a 13, 14, 15 year old, I used to get taken to the um, country marathon championships by the club. But there used to be a four mile race prior to that, so under 17. So you get to sit around and watch the marathon. Presentations were at three hours. That was it. If you ran 3.15, they'd all gone home because there was only 20, 25 competitors back in those days in marathons in Australia. And, um, of course, it was, and that's just the way it was. And we all thought prior to the Melbourne Marathon that we'd have to run three hours. But that wasn't the case. They just kept the, I was, the last people probably, I haven't checked the times, but they, there was no cutoff but they would have kept the clocks running to well beyond six hours in those days. And so the event itself has changed a bit because back in the day, as you mentioned, it was from Frankston into Melbourne. Now we kind of run around Albert Park and along Beach Road. Um, do you miss the old days? Do you miss the run from Frankston into no, Melbourne? No, I, I think the world's most boring bit of road is from Frankston to Mordialli. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a railway line one side and... Houses on the other side, it is dead straight. You can see the curvature of the earth and um, you can't see the beach. But and that, the only endearing bit was once we swung around that left turn at Morty Alley, at least we were on the beach and that was when it really got put in there. was a few hills to work people out over, which we, I now miss. Um, but I fully understand, and you look at all the races we do in Australia, the bigger races, where the race directors are under pressure with police traffic control and all this and, and all that. Keep, and um, where the Australian mentality is that the car is king. But you go, but you travel the world. Like you go to Boston, you go to New York, and you go to London. They just shut the whole city down. And, um, and they do it because they understand the amount of money which um, the runners bring in. And I think the only city that understands that is the Gold Coast, where they just shut the place, where they race Saturday and Sunday, because they understand the economic benefits to their local community. But I'm not fully convinced that Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and now other cities and um, understand that. So why Melbourne, Digger? Because you said you're a Bendigo boy. Is that why you started with Melbourne and you haven't gone for you know, Sydney? Yeah, yeah. What, no, no, one I, I lived in, the first five Melbourne marathons I lived in Melbourne. So it was my local race. And then in early 83, I moved for work reasons to Queensland. But I still had a family base in Melbourne. And it was just an, an excuse to go to, and I kept on doing them. Because it was just an excuse. There was two things. One, it was an excuse to go down to Melbourne and catch up with my mother and fam family and stuff like that just another weekend, so I'm, I coincided. And, and the other thing is there was an urban myth at the time that if you run a marathon a year, it immune you from heart attacks. And that was high on my list because my father died at 56 of a heart attack um, pre the Melbourne days. But we now know that that was an urban myth, so we just kept on trekking down to Melbourne and coincided and my wife, who's not listening at the moment, fortunately, um, who's known in the running world as LSW for long-suffering wife, um, she now plans our holidays around the marathon calendar. And last year we went over and run the Dingle Marathon in Western Ireland and I said to her, why are we going to Ireland when she told me when we were going? And she said, the Dingle Marathon's on. So she actually has a look where she wants to travel in the world has a look when the marathon's on and then tells me that I'm going. Love it. That's um, that's the way to get your partner on board. <laughs> and she's obviously sussed it out as well because she's like, well, if I want to go someplace, obviously I've got to do something that's going to entice Digger over as well. Yeah, yeah, but she's been putting up with me for 48 years, so she must have worked it out a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> now, tell me, Digger, how does somebody who – running a marathon for is just like showing up to work get involved with park run a little bit uh, of a different distance uh park run, my 
I didn't understand parkrun when it first when it first was launched in Australia, and I'm also a race director, and a couple of the other race directors have gone, oh, parkrun, look at this, they're going to give a free 5k run, it will kill all fun running, right? Um, and and they are and most of them are corporate, or they make money out of being race directors. What they didn't realise, and what is obvious now, that Park Run um, is actually feeding the main running boom in Australia. The running boom was dying, and Park Run is now feeding that. Now, back in 2013, which was my 60th birthday, Bruce and Jill Fordyce, who uh, the controllers of Park Run South Africa and her close friends of mine were over. And they took me along to a park run in Brisbane. And I, if I went to a fun run in Brisbane, I would expect to recognise 50 to 70% of the people via facial recognition and I'd expect to know 30 to 40% of them personally. I turned up at a park run with about 250, 300 people. I knew five other people bar the ones that are with me and I've gone, where did all these people come from? And then, um, so Park Run was drawing people from a pool where fun running and road running and, and trail running wasn't. So there was all these people. But but I still just sort of went along every time I wanted a 5K hit out, did a Park Run. And then my dear wife decided three years ago that I was working too hard at work because my house was 400 metres from the office and that I should relocate to um, Tambourine Mountain, which is where I live and where I am now. Um, I was a bit reluctant to the idea. I spent over 30 years putting a running base together with my training partners at my club in Brisbane. And I get up on the Tambourine Mountain and I find out there's no running club to join. Um, And then I found out they had a park run, so I turned up at the Tambourine Mountain park run, of which I've done a few and have good fun up there. And it's only a small park run, gets 25, 30. If we get 41 at Tambourine Mountain Park Run, um, panic mode, we've got to find the second set of tokens, which we have to use normally on um, New Year's Day and our anniversary run. Then 18 months ago, Vince, who started, who was the um, event director up here, decided that he had done enough for the park run and I was the obvious nomination and I think the other runners up here decided that for me. So now I'm the event director at Tambourine Mountain as well. That's great. You mentioned that it's quite a small event at Tambourine Mountain, but I always hear good things. And, and now there is a running club in the area? Yeah, yeah, and, and it's probably the only – well, there may be a few others. Uh, again, I sort of form running clubs where I travel. <laughs> um, things happen. Um, so when I arrived up here three years ago, those that were running Park Run thought that running was turning up at Park Run, doing the 5K and going home and putting your shoes away until next week, which is what they literally did. Um, and now we've got a um, – and, th- and they thought that I was crazy. I used to run the Park Run, do Park Run, and if depending on what I was training for on the way home, I might do a lazy 5 or 10K and kick it up to 20, 25K for the day. And they just thought I was a weird person. Um, now, they are doing the, the group up here. We've probably got a club of 20, 25 runners. Um, they're out three to four mornings a week. Um, two of them came to the Melbourne Marathon with me last year, and, the, and those same two are coming down in two weeks' time with me. Um, at the Gold Coast Marathon this year, I'm not sure how many were in the 10K, but I wasn't there. But I think they had. 12 of them finished the half marathon at the Gold Coast early in the year at the Women's Day run. They took 19 women down where the year before they had two. So, And it's quite a social thing. There seems to be an awful lot of um, – and it breaks into two groups. Like today up here, the girls that have to work um, – and I'm saying girls because the club's 90% girls um, – who have to work were out at 5.30 this morning and knocked out, I think they did about eight or nine K this morning. But those that don't work and have children at school, they do a nine fifteen run twice a week and go to coffee. So 
there's a whole new culture up here of running and um, socialising, which is great. I mean, it should be developed everywhere. I, I like that you um, took what could have been a difficult transition and turned it around and have brought a whole new community together, even outside of Parkrun. You mentioned earlier, Digger, that you, you're a race director for some other events, or you have been, and that you also had colleagues that were the same, and their opinion was that Parkrun would be the death of those events and have a detrimental impact. Has that been your experience? What What do you feel no, about, it's about exactly, it, it, it's, the, it's the exact opposite. It's, it's the exact opposite. Every Parkrun I go to... Um, advertises the other local runs, right, um, that are there. And, um, and and basically, as I was saying before, Park Run have found another pool of people that without Park Run, they would have stayed in the gyms or whatever. Or, and But now they're, they're being integrated into mainstream um, road running and trail running. And the other thing we're going to do – and like I've been around an awful long time. I, I can remember when a um, an African Valley runner won an Olympic event. It was a rare event, right? Well, who are these guys? Where did they come from? And as time's gone on, the um, for the one I don't want to use a word, but it will. The white runners from um, first world countries have gone. Oh, these black guys from Africa are better than us. Well, they never were better than us. But what we what I believe we're going to see by twenty twenty four and twenty twenty eight at the Olympic is is a resurgence of um, men and women middle distance runners from first world countries who are not black and park run is going to do that. You just got to look at some of the times that some of the teenagers are running, and there's going to be this fantastic pool that will fill through just not Australia. It'll it'll be in. Um, the Europe, the UK, America, if it takes off. So we'll look back. People will look back in 20, 30 years' time and go, wow, look what Parkrun has done. People often say it's the new running boom. Parkrun has introduced their new running boom and you can... And, yeah. and you just got to look at, look at the numbers here that, that you've got registered, right? And But you go to South <coughs> Africa where it was obviously going to kick off because South Africa is a poor country and a lot of the people like... When we go to Comrades, an international entry at Comrades is about three hundred US dollars, um, which is three and a half thousand rand. In the local entry fee, there has gone to four hundred rand, which is about thirty US dollars. That is a week's pay for an average person or more in South Africa. So, and all they want, and you go over there, all they want to do is run. Um, and park runners come there and it's free and it's free every week. You should see, we go to Durban, I go to Durban once a year. Like we talk about having 25, 30 at Tambourine Mountain. In 2017, when I was fit enough, I went to the Durban park run on that Saturday. There was 2,100 finished. Just to have a think about the logistics and how much fun we had. Over 2,000 at one park run. Yeah. And that run just wasn't for comrades. I looked at the numbers. They normally get 1,600, 1,700 per week. And now um, Jill was telling me when she was in Sydney two weeks ago that in Durban they launched a third park run and the two turnarounds, you can almost see each other. They're, they're at each end of the esplanade over there. Mm. But, but just what park run is doing for doing, not only for the, just for the average person and, and getting them out. And like, and the people we see is amazing. Like, without Park Run, they wouldn't actually get out of bed. Some of them. Well, we're big fans. Um, have you enjoyed the volunteering side of Park Run? That you're an event director and yeah. Oh, well, they, well, we, the problem again, like when you've got a small Park Run like ours, we need six to eight volunteers each week, and we've got a small community. We normally have more tourists than we do locals, but. Up here, even before I was the event director, I always did a freedom run at 6 o'clock as we got to 7 o'clock. So I always volunteered up here because I knew that. And maybe it's just something as I get old. I seem to volunteer to do some stuff everywhere. So, um, But I, I enjoy that. But, um, but the only thing I won't let them give me, I won't do timekeeping and I won't do scanning because people talk to me and um, 
and I lose concentration and they're the two most important bits. <laughs> Do not put someone with lack of concentration and get sidetracked. Nigga, should we move on to comrades? You mentioned it and you mentioned your uh, your friendship with Bruce and Jill Fordyce. I went over in 1998 and I was – there's a good, another good family story of my very tolerant wife we um, went to Boston and we were in Boston's 100th in the um, 1996 and then I decided I needed to do comrades. So I said, oh, we'll go over in 98. And when we're flying back to Australia, she said, well, you've done Boston and you've done comrades. She said, now I want to go and do the Greece and Turkey thing. I want to go and do all that. She's, she's into all that. And I said, yeah, yeah, the great, great. So we went back to Comrades in 2000 and then I went back to Comrades in 2002 with her. Then I thought I was over Comrades until I met Bruce Fordyce here in Australia in 2008. So I've basically been back to South Africa every year from 2000. And literally, I have been every year since 2009, but unfortunately... Marilyn and myself haven't got to do the Greece and Turkey thing yet, so I've got to get around to that for her. Still plenty of time. The countries aren't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, they are, but I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully hopefully you're sticking around for a lot longer too, Digger. Yeah, I'm planning on that. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I have a vague memory of somebody once telling me that if you do – is it 10 Comrades Marathons that you get your own number, your, your dedicated number, the, and you nobody else can ever have that number again? That's exactly right. And it's the same in Melbourne, but, but I'm only on seven. I'm trying to work out how to get the next three. Um, and how do you pick your number? Is it is it the number that you first did from the very first event? Yeah, or? from the first one, yeah. That's right. When At Comrades, you're allocated a number. And they're reusing, and the like. Some people have got numbers in the um, like sixty, seventy thousand. Um, but some, but a new runner may get a number, say five thousand. If that number becomes vacant, and a number's decreed vacant when it hasn't been used for five years, unless it's been allocated as a green number. Is this a major motivating factor for going back? I mean, 90 kilometres in, in no matter what direction you're doing it in just seems like a really long way to me. So what motivates you to go back again and it again? Can fill up your, it can fill up your whole day. Um, and a lot of people start in the dark and finish in the dark, so they get their money's worth out of the daylight all day long in comrades. Um, there's two sorts of people that run comrades. Those that go over and hate it and never go back and those that go over and will do everything possible to go back. And you cannot explain what it is, but it's something like a fever, a comrade's fever. And people from all over the world, and from, they just keep on. But you've got to go and see and experience to know what it is. It's, and it's, we don't talk about going over to run comrades we talk about going on a comrades journey and um, things like that and what would happen to me if let's just say I and it may and I'm not convinced I'll ever run comrades again at the moment that I won't be well enough to do that but I will go back every year it's it's a camaraderie it's the friendships like my friend Mark Bloomfield, who is a lobbyist in um, Washington, D.C., he's run three comrades, and he ran his last one in 2005. He makes a trip to Durban every year just to meet up with old friends, just to be a part and just to help out. And I think I'll end up a tragic like he is. But you've got to go and experience. But, and people go, oh, it's a um, 90K. Running comrades, it's probably a little bit harder than a marathon. It's probably twice as far and four times as hard. But you're not going as fast and you're trained slightly different. So, But it's a whole different world. And like in Melbourne, in two weeks' time, they talk about 30,000 runners. But let's talk about that there's only going to be 6,000 marathon runners doing the 42K there. Last year for comrades... They capped the entries at 20,000. 
the entries, the cap was reached in under three weeks in September for a June race. There's got to be something going on over there and something that people should experience. Where are you going to find 20,000 people to run a 42K marathon in Australia? And of that 20,000, I didn't, I should have checked the numbers, but there was at least two and a half thousand internationals that flew in for it. And of that two and a half thousand, I would guess 1,500 would be repeat runners that just keep on coming back. Dick, you've been running for a long time. I'm sure you've got heaps of stories that we could keep chatting about. But we've got to let you go. We've got to let you get ready for Melbourne in a couple of weeks. Um, how can we look out for you if we're watching? I'll be there um, in a couple of weeks. Um, those, those that want to find me, if after the, there's two places to find me after the race, um, immediately after it, and I'll, I'll do somewhere between five and a half and six hours. If they go to the corporate tent facility, they'll find the tent, you'll love this, called Digger and Friends, right? <laughs> I've got my own corporate tent. Then after that... Um, I'll be down in Bridge Street, Richmond, from 3 o'clock. I have a room booked at the Mount View Hotel, and everybody's welcome to come down there, and there will be about 50 of my closest friends there. Now, on the Saturday, I'll be somewhere most of the day near the Spartans tent in the Expo, and on the road, I'll be one of the other six Spartans, and we will be the only Spartans wearing yellow and black singlets. We've got a distinct singlets. If you look at all the Spartans, singlets are all different colours, which, you know, the green ones are those that have done 10, and then it goes to blue, I think, for 15, then red for 20 and so on. But the gold Spartan singlets with black printing will be one of the six. And just don't call out to me, call out to the other guys. Um, and they'll be there. One of them, Wayne Thompson, he'll be one of the 4.30 paces, and, um, but we'll all be, and he'll be the first one in. Um, Johnny Dobson will be, next he'll do about four hours, 45, 4.50 maybe, I was talking to him the other night. And the rest of the guys will be spread somewhere between five and a half hours and six and a half hours, but we'll be out there on the road. But with what we call the Brunton Avenue Shuffle, which is the short course for Melbourne for those um, to allow the roads to be open, most of us will be on that. So anyone around the MCG precinct um, will see us going up and down that road three or four times, whatever it takes. Absolutely brilliant. I'm so glad that uh, you've come back strong enough from June, Digger, to make it to this Melbourne Marathon. And we hope to see you for many, many, many more Melbourne Marathons. I'm not coming down this year myself, but it's it's on the agenda for future years. So I hope to see you there in person one time too. Yeah, but you, but you just don't have to do the Melbourne Marathon. So Australia, like the marathons I like in Australia, um, aren't the Melbourne Marathon or the Sydney one or the Gold Coast. I love going to little country towns and like Portland and and, um, places like that and Orange where you go to a smaller race and you've got the local community involved and um, places like the Portland Three Bays. You turn up there and they've got Country Women's Association that organises the catering after and stuff like that. You really get in. And I think that's where real running is and where real Australia is in the country areas. Um, I much prefer them. Like in Melbourne, we're in our unit, we're with all our friends and we do the live on street thing and all that. But very few people go and do the country thing. And maybe that's partly what Park Run's done with Park um, Run Tourism. Like with, I'm talking on and on again, sorry. But like the other week I was at Broken Hill. Um, what a fantastic little park run out there in the red dust and just lots of fun. But but marathons are the same. If you look at the marathon calendar, there's lots of small marathons spread around Australia in country town. But maybe that's where I started in Bendigo in the 60s. We had, we're in small towns and we did small races and we and we had a ball and we really and, – and then you can get the talk. Like in Melbourne, very few people know who the race director is. Let meet the race director. Um, I know the first time I ran um, Portland – that the um, race director pulled alongside while we were running, he already knew our names. He knew the 
first name of every runner in the race, and he stopped and spoke to us as, as he went past. And then he, he came up and greeted us after the race. But um, there's lots of smaller races and lots of other places to do things. Sorry about talking on and on. Ah, oh, don't apologise. Scotty and I couldn't agree more about the the smaller regional areas and and the events that they have out there, parkrun and otherwise. We we love the the local feel of all those ones. So we think you're spot on. Thank you again for joining us this week, Digger. It has been an absolute pleasure having you. Okay, thank you all. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Mel. Howdy park runners, it's Toc reporting in for the Channel 5 News crew. I'm down at the lovely Tin Boon Park Run today. And um, yeah, it's a bit of an interesting course. I'm at the back of the course with the Tail Walker Maureen and her merry band of walkers coming back up the hill. It's fair to say that you run two and a half k's down a hill and then you turn around and it's two and a half k's back up. Howdy guys, how are we all? Very well, thank you. Very gentle hill. <laughs> it is a very gentle hill, but it's a gradient, no, no less all the way up. We've just found a uh, set of headset. Oh, good pickup. Well done. Um, <laughs> so, guys, you're all local to Tim Boone. A few of you have been along since the start of the journey. We're up to event 71 here. Um, quite a few walkers at this course, I've noticed. Yes, majority of walkers. Yeah, it's really good to see people out and about walking. There's a few speedy ones up the front and then there's a, a really good crew at the back having a good chat as they walk along. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Sam hasn't really walked this fast for a few weeks. No. We're pushing it. <laughs> but you're doing well, Sam. I'm the tail gator. <laughs> the tail gator. That's a new position, is it? You almost need to get the fluoro out for that one. <laughs> A lot of the young runners are school kids that <laughs> and I taught. <laughs> yeah, I tried to keep up with a couple of them at the start and they uh, they left me for dead in about 200 metres. Yes, very impressive, aren't they? So, so for people that haven't been to Timboon before, give us a bit of a description about the Timboon area generally. I think you're part of the Gourmet Trail down here. Yes, Sam, you could talk about well, that. Well, we are part of the Gourmet Trail. It's a beautiful... Um, little uh, village tucked in behind the Great Ocean Road and uh, 15 minutes away 15 minutes away and it's if you drive fast <laughs> yeah. and even faster if you're flying <laughs> <laughs> but um, yes it has in the last few years um, become a gourmet trail because we've got the most beautiful farming land so we offer cheese whiskey um, I'm puffing olives, strawberries, fudge. Fudge. We've got. Oh, I think you've got everything covered beer. there. You've got yes. whiskey, fudge, beer. and cheese. Beer, beer and wine. Beer and wine. <laughs> so we've got a bit of everything going on locally. <laughs> yes. Might be somewhere to spend more than a, a day or two. Might be ice somewhere cream. to spend a week. Ice cream. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, that's right. We could, that's why we don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> ice cream is something to die for. Yeah, we've heard a lot about Tim Boone ice cream. It's it actually is. been on the uh, Parkrun Adventurers Facebook page a couple of times. People have said they're going to Tim Boone and everyone jumps up and says, grab the ice cream. Yeah, so, must be pretty good. Yes. We actually yummy flavours. We went and cased it out last night. It doesn't open till 11 o'clock, so there's time for oh. Parkrun coffee and then... Then ice cream. Oh, we'd be able to go to the corner store up there and get some delicious salads from my daughter-in-law. She makes beautiful salads. There's, there's a plug for the corner store in Timburn. <laughs> All right, guys, well, enjoy the rest of the walk and thanks for coming along on the Parkrun Adventurers. And we had Toc at Timboon. Thank you, Toc, once again for another submission. You are certainly one of our most prolific members of the Channel 5 News Crew, and we love your work. Also, Toc is in. He's, he's all over the podcast this week, Scotty. We've got a question from Toc for the hotline. Shall we go there? Or do you want to go to the launches and anniversaries first? No, no, no. Let's, let's, the hotline. let's go to the hotline first. Let's keep with the Toc theme. Hotline. Howdy Parkrun Adventurers, it's Toc. I'm out having a run in the wet and the rain down here. It's bucketing down. I've just about gone 
A over T on a frog. I just wanted to ask a question. What's the craziest thing you've fallen over when you've been out for a run? Okay, this is an easy one for me, Mel. Okay, good. Because the only thing I manage to fall over is myself. I can't even <laughs> find an excuse. Like I can't say there's a, a snake darted out at me or there was a big rock or a branch. I just trip over my own feet, it seems like. Well, that's not very crazy. Well, but I mean, if you if you haven't fallen too often, you haven't fall, come this across is true. crazy things. This is to a very valid point. Yep. So sorry to disappoint you, but I, you know, <laughs> I can be crazy sometimes. Well, about once okay. a year, I am. Once a year, I'm crazy. And that all probably, right, that I'd like to meet crazy, <laughs> crazy Scotty. I reckon that guy would be fun. Yeah, because yeah. the normal guy's not much. No, I I like the normal guy too. That's why I think like crazy Scotty would be like an amplified version of you. Yeah, well, it it would be funny because I'd be falling over myself as well. So you get the laughs <laughs> from me being crazy, and you get the laughs from me from being, the physical humour of it. Yeah, falling over. Um, so take it away, yours. Well, here's the thing. The The question was when we've been out for a run. So I've never actually stacked it on a run. Touch wood that it doesn't happen. Humble brag. Humble brag. However, I have fallen over while running, but I was a child and I, I tripped over my dog. <laughs> so... That's the craziest thing I've ever fallen over when I've been running. Um, and I was, oh, I think I was nine years old and literally I was just headed across the backyard and he <laughs> he was headed across the backyard too but he thought he, he could take a shortcut and he took me out and I, I ended up getting three stitches in my pinky finger. Oh, the God. only stitches I've – no, I can't say those are the only stitches I've ever had. Up until I had children, the only stitches I've ever had. Um, yeah. <laughs> Was this one of those scenes, if we were capturing it on video, you would have been flipped in the air? Slow-mo. Yeah. Big time. Tumbled. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it would have been totally one of those funniest home video shows where you just piss yourself laughing at the kids who've been wiped out by another kid on the swing yeah, or, the you know, yeah. the so funniest ones are always the ones where people fall over. But you only know that they're funny because people didn't properly get hurt, you know, because they would have got up again eventually after those yeah. stacks. Um, although, yeah, I, I did have to go to hospital and get three stitches. So that was a pretty big deal for me. Hey, I, I just want to put a footnote to my answer. So I've fallen over. I, fall, I fell over and broke my ribs the first time when a bird swept me. So does that count? Well, you were avoiding you were avoiding something. Yeah. It's not like you fell over the bird. Exactly. So really, I just fell over because I went to duck and went to duck a magpie. Great questions. Keep them coming in, people, because now that we haven't put it on the bingo card for Streaky September, the questions have dried up again. Except so. we do have somebody laying claim to uh, being, being able to call bingo, and we have not received a hotline question from them. So they must have recorded it and never sent it in. Mm. We will not pay you calling bingo until we receive your question. Um we have received them from everybody else. Melissa Ellis says we don't have to use hers, but maybe we'll save that one for next week, just in case nothing comes in in the meantime. Speaking of streaky bingo and streaky September, Scotty, did you make it through to day 30? Streak unbroken. Well done. Streaked again, so I'm two for two in streaky September. And as I said last week, you really enjoyed it. I stopped streaking on October the 2nd, which was really weird because I was all planned to go for a run. Uh, but got stuck in the garden late at night and then just thought, I ah, can't be asked. So I um, I've, I have enjoyed the process this time. I am going to try and work it into my everyday routine, but I'm not going to go streaking till New Year's Day. Um, good luck to those that do. I tip my cap, but I'm not going to be one of them. How did you finish up? Because we know that you didn't streak continuously through September, but um, what are you no. doing? You're still what, you're trying to do something? I don't know what you're doing. Well, I caught, I caught this Lurgy at the end of last week, so I was like the walking dead, 
and as well after um, earlier upsets in the week from Wes's vomiting adventures. So I um, I missed a couple of days, but I'm still determined to finish Streaky September. So I started catch-up days from as soon as I could start streaking again. And I've got one more to go. Today will be Streaky September Day 30 for me. I know it's technically the 3rd of October, but I'm counting my own calendar. And, uh, yeah, so I'm almost finished. But you know what? I didn't break my chocolate or wine streak or Skittle streak um, before the end of the month. So that streak was left intact, which I'm very proud of. And I've only had two, two rows of chocolate since I am um, so I did break that streak on like <laughs> on, on October 1st I was like I can have chocolate today I don't care what anyone says did so you stay up till midnight to... oh are you talking about the bingos or what are you no no about? did you stay oh, up no, no, no. <laughs> like at 12.01 no, I just got up at a normal time on the 1st of October I did consider wow. having it for breakfast but I didn't <laughs> uh, I waited till a little bit later in the day I think it was like 11 or 12 o'clock lunchtime and I, I had some chocolate because I could and I didn't have to have any guilt about it. Um, yeah, so, but I, yeah, haven't haven't been missing the Skittles or anything like that. So I think I might have broken that habit. I'm going to try to perhaps gently avoid them for mm. a little while. That's a lot of sugar, a lot of sugar in Skittles. Um, but well done to everybody who did join us and made it through to the end of Streaky September, Streak Unbroken, and even to everybody else who, like myself, we weren't perfect. Life got in the way and, you know, stuff happens. Sometimes injuries happen and that happened to quite a few people halfway through the month. But um, that's okay. We tried and we will try again next year, I hope. And there were also heaps of people who just, did amazing things for themselves, like biggest monthly totals they've ever done or they've never struck for more than seven days in a row, let alone the whole month. So I'm most impressed with people who blew themselves out of the water, as it were, and and kicked their own goals. Me too. It was, it was a great streaky September this year. The uh, group was a... Uh, genius masterstroke move there, Mel, to create that. Um, it really and we'll, we'll do another on one next year, definitely. But we're also going to have something that happens in March next year. I think I think we should do some kind of streak the date, run the date thing. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Let's workshop that off air. Last <laughs> week we talked about uh, Pearlustration. We haven't got our stuff together just yet, so we're going to delay that for one more week. Yeah, but we only said October. We didn't say the first week. Yeah, of October, I think we might have said last week that we'd release it next week oh, or whatever. But nobody listens to us, Scotty. No, they don't. Certainly, nobody holds us to anything we say. I'm sure. <laughs> so, if you go looking for it, it's not there yet. Um, you know what is out this week, Mel? Tell me. The so Pillustration, ridiculous name for a survey. Uh, Christmas Compendium, ridiculous <gasps> name for a list. Basically, which is about festive season, not yeah. just Christmas. Yes, so but exciting because that's a big deal on the calendar for yeah. a lot of adventurers. Yeah, and it looks better this year. Like it looks like it looks like you can read it. Makes sense. Tells you which ones aren't and aren't doing it. And if yep. they aren't doing it, it's not there. It's great. Formatting is awesome, isn't yes. it? <laughs> and also, it's it's telling you the times. But did you see? You can you can see the start times. So not yeah. only do you not have to figure out what which events are yes or no from a big glut of names in a just a big pile on a page, but it tells you what times they start and finish, which is going to make things so much easier as well. Yep. Next year, guys, if you're listening, IT people, get us a map, a map that shows us all the doubles that are possible. Mel, what are you saying next year? Let's make things happen this year. We know they're listening. Do you, do you think that, yeah, but Actually, they might be listening, listening to you, but it might take 14, 15 months to build that kind Come of tech. On. I don't know. I don't. Th- there's maps already on the website. Just push a few buttons and just <laughs> plonk it in. That's how it works. That's you think it works it's that easy? Team. Yeah, it okay. is. It is. I have full faith in our IT team. 
Okay. Well, I mean, some of them managed to um, do interviews on With Me Now pod, so hopefully, hopefully they um, have some time to, to wave some magic wands in the ways of maps for adventurers. Now, the streets are also talking, Mel, about the sloth challenge. They are. Well, by the streets, you mean me, because yes. this, is, this is my item on the agenda. Something to keep me a little bit going. Um, in Streaky September, I did something called the Peace Challenge, which is one of those virtual runs um, from Virtual Runner UK which I know I've mentioned before and they don't pay me to mention it, but I just love their stuff, so I'm going to keep mentioning it. And it for one of the weeks in September, I had to run as much as I could between um, those seven days, um, which was great, worked in well, helped keeping me motivated for the challenge and I did 21, just over 21 Ks that week because I wanted to do a half marathon in total. Um, but this month in October try and keep people going um there's still time if anyone is interested in registering for a sloth challenge which will be how far can you run or walk in one 60 minute block to earn your very own sloth medal and so pretty much you just have to gps yourself as you would normally do and you just have to do that 60 minutes in one go on any day between the 15th and the 21st of October. And you should see the medals, Scotty. They are so cute. There's a little sloth dangling from the thing. But you know what I really love about this, and this is true of all the Virtual Run UK medals, is part of the proceeds go to a charity. And this race charity, nominated one, is for narcolepsy. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll receive a minimum of 20% of every entry fee. So, uh, I think that's well worth it. Um, the medals, I think they're priced roughly. Like to enter, it's it's about ten quid, and that includes um, that includes postage anywhere in the world. So the medal gets posted to you after you submit your results. So if you're interested, guys, head to virtualrunneruk.com. There's a whole list of all the uh, virtual runs and races, and I think there's still about 10, 9 or 10 days to register for the sloth, um, the sloth challenge. And there are three, no, 12 days to enter as of today, and there are 309 places left. So come and join me in the sloth challenge. You know what I reckon would have been a better challenge? Tell me. Like, see how far you can run. So they're asking you to run as, run as fast as you possibly can. Not necessarily, so, but... Well, that's the challenge. I reckon the challenge would have been better if you could see how little you could run while still moving <laughs> for 60 minutes. So you the, the challenge was <laughs> yeah, the challenge was to start your GPS, but you had to maintain movement. You couldn't stop in one spot, but see how little you could run or walk in 60 minutes. That would be a sloth challenge. This is like the opposite of a sloth challenge. Well, see, Scotty, it's all open to interpretation. So you could see how far you could go at sloth pace in 60 minutes and you could still submit that. And even if it was only five metres, as long as you've got it on GPS showing that it took you an hour to move that five metres, I think they'd have to accept it. Hmm. So maybe somebody should try and see whether or not they get a medal for doing five metres in 60 minutes. I personally, I get bored. You know, I do like my movement to be a little <laughs> bit faster. Than 60 that. minutes is a long time, isn't it? Yeah. It is a long time to not move very fast. Have you ever tried doing like just slow-mo just oh. across a room or something like that? You get bored after 10. a couple of yeah. minutes. <laughs> well, you should try it again now as an adult because it's possibly more fun now, I think. Okay, so we're going to put an over-under on Mel. How far is Mel going to get in 60 minutes? Hey, yeah, maybe everybody should be um, – no, I don't want to say placing bets because we don't want to encourage gambling as such. Why not? Well, because it's not very responsible. Okay. So I'm going to say let's put the – There could be a guessing competition, however. Yeah. So I'm going to say, what do you reckon, 7K? You, I'm not going to give you any insider information. If you want to try and guesstimate what I will do, then you should go and look at any of my previous activities on Strava for the last month and gauge, you know, what kind of speeds and distances I'm doing at the moment. 
Yep, so that's why I'm saying 7K. So let's do a poll. This is the next poll. Over, under, Mel, 7K in 60 minutes. Over or under? Yeah. You're just trying to make it simple by having two options. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, a, that's a common uh, betting phrase. It's the vernacular. It's, uh, is it going to be over or under? Is this team going to win by this many points or under? That's, that's how betting works. But we're not betting in this case. We're just asking a poll question. Okay, well, I don't have to do this challenge for a couple of weeks, so maybe let's not open that poll straight away. Okay. So you're saying you're going to train and get in shape? Well, then the, the, I'm not the line anything. will move to 8K then. <laughs> well, maybe you just need to give uh, like three or four different ranges. Mel will do between this and this or this and this or this and this and then see what people <laughs> guess. Okay. I really don't think anyone's going to care enough to vote on this. Well, let's find out. <laughs> let's see who's proven right or wrong. Over under, how many people care? Is it 10 <laughs> or less or more? Hopefully I'm going my over. ego does not get too tied to the outcome of this poll. Okay. Maybe something else we should workshop off air, so don't look out for that poll um, for a few more weeks and then everyone would have forgotten about it. Speaking of forgetting about it, Launches and anniversaries. Let's wrap up this week's episode with launches and anniversaries. Completely out of order. We've got two events launching this week. We do, and one of them is where we got the theme music from. Isn't it, Scotty? Because it always makes me want to dance every time I, I see the name of this park oh, event. The Charleston you're talking about? I am. Yeah. I don't um, know what kind of dance you do to the Horseshoe Bay Reserve. <laughs> <laughs> Because well, theme music is like not, a, yeah. Well, our theme music's not really in like a square dance theme with to the Charleston. What Why do you think it, it is? I well, think it should. I think it should be. Our theme music is sort of eighties inspired. Not yeah, really I know, but Charleston it doesn't have inspired. to be every week. <laughs> okay. So, in case you hadn't guessed from that, um, in South Australia, we have a new event called Charleston launching this weekend. And in New South Wales, we have an event called Horseshoe Bay Reserve Park Run. Exactly. Uh, we've got some anniversaries as well. We've got Champion Lakes in WA. Hemo, Hamilton Island in Queensland. Petrie, also in Queensland. Port Arlington in Victoria. And we should make a special mention to uh, Bushy Park in London because they're having their anniversary this weekend too. Well, it's, it's, the, it's the anniversary of Park Run, isn't it? So happy anniversary to everybody who's going to be at Parkrun this weekend. Are you going to Parkrun this weekend, Mel? Yes, I am going to Parkrun this weekend, Scotty. I have a most events list to continue creating a very vast gap between yourself and myself on. Don't care. Not paying attention. Oh, really? Have fun at your new event. I can't wait to hear all about it next week. Are you going to a new event this week, Scotty? I am. Yep. Ooh. Is it a Nendi? No, it's not. It's interstate. I'm going to New South Wales this weekend too. Ah, I think I've got an inkling where you're going. You know what we should Excellent. do? You know, listen, you know what we should do? We should test our popularity. So where are you going? T tell me where you're going. I'm not sure yet. Oh. I, I thought I did know, but I, I think it's under, under um, advisement now. Okay. Because I was going to say, I'll, I'll tell you where I'm going, and then we can just check the attendance of each event and then compare which one was greater, and that way we would know who is more popular between <laughs> the two of us because more people Scotty, we can gone. do that on any given week. <laughs> this week is a good week to do it, I reckon. Oh, okay. Well, I, I don't want to tell people where I'm going this week because I'm not sure yet. Okay. Okay, we'll save that for another week. Okay. Fun times ahead. Thanks for this week, Mel. Speak to you next week.